0: Welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Down Podcast. I am your co-host Brian Bosars and as always my co-host Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 28 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, 17 seconds away from the 2022 NFL Draft.
1: We are in that coming into April time of a lull in draft talk. We have some pro days obviously happening, but at this point, I feel like this is when I just started holding my breath. Like, can it be next week? Can we just get this done? Can we just have it happen? I'm kind of ready and uh, eager. So it's, uh, it's coming up though. We're heading into the month of the draft here pretty soon
0: uh four weeks away from tomorrow night uh we will be on on the air live streaming here on the YouTube channel uh Shane I had a uh, a banner here makeup did anything happen this week because this you know after we've been hot and heavy trades and free agency and everything these last three weeks we've always had something big to talk about this week we really didn't have nothing to talk about until about 15 minutes ago. And uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians, he's done. Hanging it up. Uh Todd Bowles uh, promoted to head coach from defensive coordinator. Shane, uh couldn't have a peaceful week, I guess.
1: Well, it's got to be something. I mean, this this offseason has been crazy. And uh, being here in Pittsburgh, I know that Bruce Arians often, he, he doesn't have a timeline for things. He'll do things when he feels them. And he felt like retiring, moving to the front office, then here we go. So, um, yeah. Interesting. The Todd Bowles who has previous head coaching experience gets the nod, uh, Bruce Aarons will still be around. I don't think it's going to change much for what the Buccaneers do, especially Tom Brady being back, but, uh, really interesting.
0: The, uh, sentiment on the internets here is that, uh, Arians and Brady maybe not getting along so much and, uh, that's why this happened now when it did. I don't I don't know if, if there's any substance to that or not. Yeah, I probably not.
1: I mean, if that was the case, I don't think Tom Brady comes back. Right? Like like I don't uh, think this was a prerequisite to that or this would have happened sooner. So it just seems it just seems like a bunch of, you know, fluff to me. I, I don't know, obviously, but we'll see.
0: About as much fluff as that Tom Brady's getting traded to Miami crap that's been happening for like <laughs> exactly. three days now. <laughs> exactly all right Shane we got a heavy hitter to come talk, come on tonight to talk about the draft we're gonna bring him in now from CBS Sports NFL draft coverage Josh Edwards Josh man uh, thanks for coming on tonight
2: of course guys thanks for having me you, you kind of set me up uh, to fail there by calling me a heavy hitter but uh, you know I'll try to live <laughs> up to that
0: hey man don't, 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 uh, don't be afraid to brag on this here podcast, sir. <laughs> but, uh, uh, J- yep. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah, no,
1: I, I, I want to say thanks for coming on. I reached out to Josh. I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, you know, so kind of g- g- give a little rundown of your background, what you do over at CBS and, uh, you know, where, where people can find you. And then we'll, we'll dig in here.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the way that you kind of fall into the draft, just like anybody else, uh, you grow up watching the draft. I mean, it's an event all in a, in, a, a, in of itself. Um, growing up a Browns fan, that was kind of the one thing that you had to look for uh, each year. So the draft was always huge for me. Um, you know, kept taking opportunity after opportunity, and CBS gave me an opportunity to uh, do this full time, and it's it's been a blessing. I think I've been doing this now for three years, so. Still learning my process, you know, each, each and every year, but it's been a blast, man. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you just try to have fun with it and uh, realize that even the people that get paid millions of dollars are, are right and wrong from time to time. So you just got to have fun with it. That's, that's really what it boils down to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we, we've talked about this on, on our show before, like last year, Josh Norris had 16 of the 32 first round picks and that like obliterated the record. So it's like, just goes to show you what we do like every week. And it's like, well, if you get, I don't know, a third of the first round picks, right. You are awesome at this.
2: That's yeah. I mean, it's, it's absurd. I mean, you talk about uh, batting averages in baseball batting 300 is a good number. If you're batting, 500 in the NFL when it comes to your draft picks, I mean, you're going to have a job for a long time. It's tough to bat 500 in first round draft picks alone. So uh, that's why we see so much turnover in the NFL. That's why, you know, some of the teams, some of the moves that we've seen made this offseason, all of the aggressive moves the teams are taking to build a more competitive roster. They're doing that because they feel the pressure of having to compete when you have a roster that is capable of competing. So it's, it's been exciting. I mean, this is an, an offseason unlike anything that I can ever remember. Uh, you know, coming on to this, I thought it was going to be an ordinary night. And then, as you mentioned off the top, having the Bruce Arians news, um, you know, it's 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 a year-round sport. I mean, it truly dominates the headlines even after the Super Bowl. Well,
1: let, let me ask you, Josh, we've had a lot of that movement this offseason. A lot of it's centered around the quarterback position, um, kind of talk about how you evaluate this quarterback class in this draft. Uh, there seems to be some very different takes on the level of talent here. Are we going to have to go in the top 10? Are they going to fall, you know, much further? Uh, is there even a franchise quarterback here? What, what's kind of your take and your personal view of this class? And then how do you think the NFL was going to view them in terms of, you know, draft position?
2: Well, when you look at the NFL, it's clear what teams are uh, prioritizing right now. The guys like Josh Allen, the guys like Patrick Mahomes that, you know, have some mobility and can create off platform, um, you know, push the ball downfield, all that kind of stuff. You have to have one of those guys to feel like you have a chance to contend in today's NFL. So I look at this quarterback class. I think Malik Willis is probably the only one that has the possibility to get to that point. Um, but you have to consider he's such a raw passer. He has a lot of room to improve in terms of his processing. Um, just, you know, in general, his pocket awareness, whereas, you know, Kenny Pickett might be a little more farther developed. Desmond Ritter may be a little more farther developed in that, in that category, but, you know, they have their deficiencies themselves. So when you look at this quarterback class, like a Kenny Pickett, you know, a Sam Howell, like they are good players that are probably, you know, day two any other year. Um, the fact that it's such a quarterback needy year um, or a league rather means that these guys are probably going to be taken in the first round and it just creates unrealistic expectations relative to their talent. I mean, Daniel Jones, he's a great player in college. I mean, he was a good prospect coming out, but when you're taken number six, overall, it totally changes how fans view you and what their expectations are for you. So he has not lived up to the number six overall at, uh, expectations, but he's been a good player at the same time. You know, that's a team that has been working itself through, you know, its own deficiencies. Um, and, you know, it's, that's what we're going to see this year. There's a lot of guys that are probably day two type talents. Um, I don't think any of them are your, you know, elite franchise type quarterbacks that are even going to have a first round grade for me. I don't have a first round grade on any of these guys. Um, But I think Malik Willis probably has the highest upside and everybody keeps saying, you know, look what Josh Allen did. Well, Josh Allen was quite an anomaly. I mean, you typically cannot improve your accuracy the way that he has improved it. So uh, there's a gamble in taking any one of these guys. I think you have to be aware of where your team is right now um, and the decisions that you're going to make because a team like Carolina, they're so far away in terms of their roster right now. If you throw a quarterback into the mix that player is not going to just lead you to the playoffs or a Super Bowl. It's just not realistic. Um, And those are the kind of desperate moves that are ultimately going to get people fired. So I think you have to have some self-awareness as you approach the draft process.
0: Josh, I want to talk about the first overall pick here in Jacksonville. And any other year, I think they're selling this pick. If there was a quarterback in this class, they're getting getting that crazy – jared goff bounty that the you know the the rams gave up for a few years ago and maybe even the one like trey lance and all that but there's that's not going to happen this year i don't know that they can move out of that pick even if they wanted to so they let's just presume that they're stuck there is it aiden hutchinson or is it trayvon walker is a guy who's you know now you're seeing mock number one is it cave thibodeau I doubt it anymore. Is it one of the tackles? I mean, there's the intrigue there because, you know, nothing's really set.
2: Yeah. For me, I would still take Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal. Um, I think he's just a rare specimen at the offensive tackle position, um, specifically as it relates to this exact class. Um, I don't think there's a clear number one overall prospect the way that we've seen in years past, and like you said, the lack of a top quarterback talent um, is just simply going to dry up the trade, trade market. I mean, there's not going to be teams that are willing to give up the type of trades that we've seen with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and, um, you know, those guys in the past. It's just simply not going to happen. Now, could you move down and maybe take less compensation to do so? There might be some of those opportunities available. I think, you know, when you look at a team like the Steelers, they might be motivated to trade up and get one of those quarterbacks. You look at a team like Kansas City that now has two first-round picks, maybe they are willing to move up and get one of those better wide receivers. There's going to be trades that happen, but it's not going to be to the same extent as we've seen in years past. So when I look at Jacksonville specifically, I would personally take Evan Neal because I think he's a better tackle prospect than what you have in Cam Robinson right now. Um, You know, you're not really locked into him at this point because you could rescind the the franchise tag on him or, um, you know, have him sign the deal and trade him. There's plenty of teams that need – offensive linemen in today's NFL. I mean, you would find a suitor. You might have to take on a little bit of that salary, but you will find a suitor and you will probably get some draft assets in return. Um, at the same time, Neal, as well as Cam Robinson have the flexibility to play offensive guard or they could play right tackle. I mean, all kinds of options are on the table. So as I'm looking at a team that has Trevor Lawrence, a franchise quarterback to build around, I'm taking Evan Neal because I think he is uh, the best option for this team right now. Um, But as the winds are blowing, it seems like it's in the direction of Aiden Hutchinson. I think that's probably the most reasonable bet if you're going to play someone at this point in time.
1: Let me ask you kind of a general question for us us draft guys. We, We spend all this time through the college season watching film and developing grades on these players. And then... You know, when we get to uh, this point, we have the combine, we have these pro days, we're getting 40 times, we're getting some of the agility drills, explosive drills. How do you weigh the athleticism and what those workouts say versus kind of your film grades? What happens when things don't match up? Uh, I, I always like to hear, you know, people that do this and do a really good job of it. Like, it's still something I'm working on trying to find that balance. How do you kind of
2: balance those two things in how you evaluate a player? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, a very good question. It's still something that I'm working on myself. Um, You know, you have to trust the tape at the end of the day, what you're seeing, because, um, you know, if you're seeing a guy that runs a 4-5 at the NFL Combine track down a guy that runs a 4-4 on the field, um, you know something's not adding up right there. So you have to trust your eyes in some regards. But um, I think there are times where we place too much emphasis on the NFL combine and testing in general. Um, because if you are running a four, four, um, that's straight line speed. If you cannot change directions, that's not going to be of much use to you in the NFL. So it's all part of a puzzle that you kind of have to put together. And at the end of the day, it's all about the tape. So when you have some of those outliers, some of those numbers that catch you off guard, or maybe you didn't expect, um, coming out of their testing, maybe that's something that you go back to the tape and you say, you know, was I looking at it wrong? Like, was, was I feeling sick that day? You know, like there's so many things you look through a lens, um, any given day, your attitude, all this kind of stuff can um, have an impact on what you're looking at. So you want to go back and make sure that, uh, you are seeing things clearly. And I think, um, you know, a lot of times when you look at a guy like Trayvon Walker, a guy that is just physically gifted, the numbers that he put up at the NFL combine, you're saying, why was this guy not more productive in college? And then you look at the film and um, Georgia just does not ask their guys to work vert- vertically that often. I mean, they value working those stunts and creating chaos for the, for the other offensive line and forcing them to communicate on the fly. That's what they value. So some, some players are just not in a good position in college Um you know, and then as it relates to pro days, we we talk about quarterback pro days every given year. Um, And it's, there's just like nothing to take uh, from it whatsoever, because they're out there throwing in shorts, you know, you don't have a helmet on, you're not being blitzed. Uh, You've got one route that you're trying to throw typically in your indoor facility. Uh, You know, there's just not much to take from that. So at the end of the day, I think you do have to trust the tape, but there's certainly some testing examples that, have you going back to look at the tape and make sure you were seeing things clearly
0: yeah i'm with i i, I can't believe that you know you, you weren't impressed with the those air throws by Howell and <laughs> Willis these last couple of days yeah. Josh, I'm going to ask Mike Tomlin
2: you. certainly was. He he was cracking a smile everywhere we saw him. So you know somebody Mike, was taking something out of it. Mike
0: Tomlin has. This is like the worst. Either either this is the biggest smoke screen ever, or dude is it's like we're about to. He's about to single white female Malik Willis if the Steelers <laughs> don't draft this guy. Man, it's uh it's 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 bad news. Uh, I've asked this question pretty much of. I've we've had fantasy guys on this show. We've had other guys on this show. I'm gonna ask this I have all five wide receivers one like right next to each other in my in my on my board i can't I can't break this can't break this cluster so I want you to break this wide receiver cluster of the of what we are calling the big five wide receivers and maybe you maybe somebody else is, is in there for you
2: yeah, so I just updated him recently because I was going position by position. So I've got Garrett Wilson as the top wide receiver. Just to me, he's been the most consistent. A guy with, um, you know, tremendous body control. The way that he is able to adjust um, in the air, he's got great field awareness. Everything that you would hope to have at the position, um, I think Garrett Wilson possesses that. Great speed, as we saw at the NFL Combine, that checks out. Um, a guy that you know can make plays after the catch. It's, it's not as it's not his strength when you consider some of the other stuff I've talked about, but um, he's got the capability of doing that. Uh, Number two wide receiver for me is still Jamison Williams. And I think before his injury, he was trending towards that top spot because um, the speed, his ability to work on a vertical plane. uh, That's what you're looking for in today's NFL, his ability to work after the catch. Um, Again, I think, you know, with today's NFL in the current landscape, Teams are valuing that. You know, they want to get the ball to players in space and allow them to work after the catch. And I think Jameson Williams was one of the most effective in doing so in college football last year before the injury. Um, Number three for me is still um, Traylon Burks, despite his poor combine testing. I mean, that's a great example of having to trust the tape because when you watch him, I mean, he plays faster than that four or five that we saw at the NFL combine. Um, I think he's great working on a vertical plane. You know, we talk about uh, his exposure working out of the slot during college. Um, but he's a guy that I thought had the most success working vertically. I mean, he has great size. He's got great speed. If you try to jam him with the line of scrimmage, you know, he can bowl over you. Um, he's got the, the speed to get around you, you know, if you try to play off of him. So, you know, he's just a, an incredibly difficult mismatch for, for opposing cornerbacks. Uh, Number four, I've got Chris Olave, a guy that was just very consistent. You know, he's not a guy that is going to so much attack the ball at the catch point, but he had tremendous red zone production for Ohio State, a guy that, you know, is just going to be where you need him to be, somebody that you can rely on um, any given snap, a guy that, you know, you can just trust to go out there and do his job. I think that is very valuable um, for NFL teams. You know, they, they want a guy that's going to be able to, um, take the coaching and translates that to the field. And that's exactly who Chris Olave is. Uh, and then number five is Drake London. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cookie cutter, I guess with, with my top five, because that's pretty much how everybody else, uh, those same five is how everybody else has them stacked up. Um, you know, but Drake London actually, no, wait, sorry. I've got George Pickens is my fifth wide receiver. Drake London is a little bit below that. Um, George Pickens, I think, is has just shown the ability to be a number one wide receiver in the past. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to see that this past season with his injury. He made a few splash plays down the stretch for that that uh, Georgia team, but you know we really had to go back a couple of years to see what he's capable of. And I think when you look at this class, George Pickens is the guy that has that number one potential. Um, and then you ha- and then you have Drake London, who again everybody talks about his ability to create separation, but um, you know, there's multiple ways to create separation. And, and Drake London is a guy that has a basketball background and he knows how to use it on the football field. I mean, he uses his body incredibly well to not only create separation, but to win at the catch point. And that's, that's kind of where he's going to make his money at the next level. So um, those six are, are, you know, still there for me. Wilson and Williams are both in the top 10 for me right now, just because I value that so much, their ability to work after the catch. Um, and then those other guys are all within the top thirty-two prospects as well. So you're talking about a very deep wide receiver class.
0: I didn't hear the name Christian Watson there. You've angered Shane.
1: <laughs> like, like, he's 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 my number six, but you know, I I, I could take I could take uh, George Pickens is fine. I'll I'll be I'll be on the island with the uh, Christian well, Watson. He's been moving
2: up. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Watson, obviously he had a, he had a fantastic combine. Um, the tape was a little bit lacking to me, but part of that is because North Dakota State is just kind of a run-heavy offense. You know, he doesn't have the same route tree and exposure as some of these other guys. So when you're talking about wide receivers that maybe have the most upside, Christian Watson's probably in that next group. You know, when we're talking about guys that could develop into a number one type wide receiver, um, although he's not graded out that way for me right now, Christian Watson is the guy that has the profile to become that type of player. Yeah,
1: I think it's tough with those guys that, the, like, like you said before, the offense doesn't use them in the way that the NFL is going to. There's definitely a lot of tight ends that, that I feel that way about. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about just doing mock drafts. Who, who is the hardest team to make a pick for in your mock draft right now? And what, what kind of options or thought process do you go through with them right at this moment?
2: Yeah, I want to say it's crazy, but the teams that have the most needs seem to be the ones that that give me the most trouble. Um, Tampa Bay was was there for me before until uh, they created a couple of needs this offseason. But um, the teams that have a lot of needs are are still you kind of overthink it, I guess, at times. So Houston for me is a team that, you know, I can sit here and I can make an argument for 10 different players, you know, in terms of who they should select. Um, even more so now that they've got number 13 as well. Um, So that's difficult. Uh, You know, in recent mock drafts, I've had them taking offensive linemen. I've had them taking edge rushers. I've had them taking cornerbacks, uh, you know, and we do at CBS, we do a weekly mock draft and have been since the fall. So, you know, I have been playing around with it quite a bit and mixing those guys up and uh, unfortunately now it's getting to the point where, you know, I kind of have to put my money where my mouth is and, uh, actually make some, some projections as to who I think they're going to take, uh, as opposed to maybe what I would do in certain situations. So, um, I would say Houston is probably a team that I've struggled with just because they have so many needs. Uh, I know some people would look at it as, well, you can't really go wrong because they could use just about anything, but, uh, I think re- the reality is you try to go through all of these scenarios and try to figure out what makes the most sense for Houston. So um, they're probably one of the teams that, that I probably struggle with, um, especially more so now that I'm having to deal with them in the middle of the first round as well.
0: Um, so your Twitter bio also says you write a little bit for about Kentucky football. So I figured I would uh, bring them up. Uh, who are some of the guys that, you know, we, we should be watching out for uh, from, from UK here. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't, I'm not sure how many of these guys are going to hear their name on the first couple of days, but who are some of the guys that w- we, we need to be on the lookout for?
2: Yeah. So Darian Kennard is, is a guy that a lot of guy a lot of, you know, draft fans are probably familiar with at this point in time, a guy that has played offensive tackle for Kentucky, but, I still think he projects to a guard at the next level. Uh, He'll almost certainly go on day two somewhere uh, just because of, you know, his tenacious run blocking capabilities. I think he's more polished than a lot of the guys that you'll have in that range on day two. Um, Wandale Robinson is a tremendous after the catch wide receiver. Uh, The issue with him is he has shorter arms and, you know, that seems silly to talk about, but when you're in the NFL, you have much tighter windows and, you know, as a quarterback, that gives you a much more limited range um, in the way that you can get the ball to him. So as much as I love his ability after the catch, that's going to be taken into into consideration for a lot of teams. So I think there's a chance he goes on day two at the worst, probably early day three Um, center. Luke Fortner is a guy that has guard center flexibility. He's played both throughout his career at Kentucky Um, tremendously smart guy. I mean, he's um, got a couple of degrees to his name. He's including an engineering degree. So I think for teams that are looking for, you know, a a, a player that is maybe your sixth or your seventh lineman, I know, you know, he could probably start for a lot of teams, but at worst, he's a guy that can step in and actually give you some versatility at that spot. Uh, Marquand McCall is a nose tackle that uh, was playing in the shadows of Quentin Bohanna, who was taken by the Dallas Cowboys last year. Um, I think McCall is a better player than Bohanna when he came out of college. So, you know, to me, I think he's probably a mid-day three type pick. Um, you know, those are probably the most recognizable names at this point. Dari Rosenthal is an offensive tackle, um, transferred from LSU, is incredibly athletic. Um you know, has done fairly well in testing so far. He was the the fastest offensive lineman at the NFL combine. Um, you know, maybe it's a Sadiq's Charles situation where you bank on that kind of a talent and you're willing to take him on day three in the hopes that he does develop into an everyday contributor for you. I know that's what Washington has gotten from Charles. I think Charles has slid inside and plays, plays guard now, but um, you see that same kind of upside from, from Dari Rosenthal. So, A lot of talent on that Kentucky team, to be honest. Mark Stoops has done a great job um, with the program in recent years, and uh, they've been pretty present in the NFL draft process. Josh, just
1: give me a couple of your guys, like day three guys that you think are going to outperform their draft position, some of your kind of favorite sleepers, day three picks that people should be a little more excited about or maybe deserve a little more buzz, however you want to quantify that.
2: Yeah, Florida State running back, uh, Deshaun Corbin is a guy that I've come to be, you know, pretty high on through the process. A guy that I think, you know, when you look back at what Florida State has been traditionally, uh, the running backs that have come out of there, um, you know, they have not necessarily benefited from having a great offensive line. And I think the same is true of Corbin. I think he's a guy that has been able to create opportunities for himself. I think he's capable in the in the uh, as a pass catcher. I think he can stay and you know in pass protection. Uh, although I would say that's probably the weakest of the three areas of his game. Um, but I think he's a guy that has starting potential. You know, for a team in the NFL, he's probably going to come in you know early day three somewhere, be a backup, uh, and could eventually you know rise into a starting role. Um, Minnesota edge rusher Boye Mafe, I know, is not a day three guy anymore. Uh, And probably never was. I think he was my 57th prospect coming into the year. uh, And he's only gotten better. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, has been around the edge. He's a guy that has the capability of dropping into coverage. He, you know, can, can seal the, seal the uh, corner. I mean, he's, he can do everything. I think he's undersold a little bit in what he's capable of of doing. Minnesota used him a bit more like a, like a rotational player. And they took him off the field in run down situations uh, I don't think they needed to do that. I think in the opportunities that he had to show that he could hold up there, I think he, he more, than, more than held his own. So uh, Boye Mafe is another one. And then Danny Gray, uh, wide receiver from SMU. I mean, he's a little bit slight in frame, but a guy that makes plays after the catch and just has been really solid throughout his career. Um, so I think those are probably, you know, two guys on day three, certainly that um, have caught my eye and I'm probably a little higher on than most.
0: Gray was one of the fastest guys on the field at the Senior Bowl uh, practices. That's a good call. All right, last question, Josh, and we'll let you uh, we'll let you get out of here. We're going to have a little – I'm going to have a little fun with this one. Uh, I didn't even have this written down, but I, I just thought of this. <laughs> everybody has – everybody does this on late – as as we've been, we've been watching day three of the draft, we're all getting tired, and everybody asks this question. We're going to ask it now, four weeks before the draft. Josh, who's going to be Mr. Irrelevant?
2: Oh, wow. be um, <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. man
0: I, what a, what a what a question.
2: <laughs> I uh, yeah, to... I can tell you exactly who it is on my board right now. That might be a, a quick out. That's, that's a all we need. It. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Uh, let's see. That would be looks like Armani Rogers, who is a former quarterback at Ohio University that is transferred to the tight end position. so. Uh, you can't find tight end tape on him. He's, he's, uh, had some all-star game showings that, um, has performed well, but, uh, you know, not a lot of tape out there on Armani Rogers as a tight end prospect.
0: Uh, We've talked about him here on the podcast. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued and I would definitely take him on day three all day long, just because of the, the speed and, the, the, the tools to work with, uh, so you heard it here, everybody. If Armani Rogers is Mr. Irrelevant, we're going to call back to this uh, during our live stream for sure on, uh, on our, uh, on day three of the draft. It, it's Randall. totally
2: coincidence, by the way, I actually went to Ohio university. That's what this flag, this flag is over my, <laughs> so uh happened to work out that way, but you know, it doesn't hurt to give uh, a little bit of extra love to the Bobcats.
0: Josh, man, we appreciate you taking the time and yeah. coming on with us tonight, man.
2: Of course, guys, anytime.
0: Yeah, Tell thanks, everybody where they can uh, follow you and uh, find your work.
2: Yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at EdwardsCBS. Uh, you can also follow my work at uh, CBSSports.com. Um, you know, we'll have strengths and weaknesses on each of these prospects as we get closer to the draft. Uh, we each put out our individual draft boards, position rankings, all that good stuff. Um, and then, as I said earlier in the, in the uh, podcast, weekly mock drafts. Uh, so if you get a little bored, you can always come to cbsports.com and find a fresh mock draft.
0: It's good stuff, man. It's uh, one of my go-to sites uh, for the NFL draft. Josh, man, again, thanks a lot for coming on.
2: Of course, guys. Thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks. That was Josh Edwards, CBS Sports. Shane, that was good stuff right there, man. Yeah, like he he, he knows the stuff. I've
1: been following him for a little while and uh, reached out, and I'm I'm glad that he was able to come on. So definitely a guy that knows, you know, watches film. I think it's evident from his writing. Um, so you know if you if you haven't for whatever reason found your way watching us and haven't gone to CBS to check out his stuff, it's uh it's well worth it for
0: sure. Absolutely, that is definitely um, probably my favorite. Uh, draft resource to go to after draft countdown of course oh, of course right that's first first and foremost on the bookmark list there uh, of course uh we talked a little bit about it, Shane we're gonna we're gonna shift back into some stuff and uh, we, we we talked about it a little bit with uh with Josh there but uh we've seen some trends here developing um uh, in the last week and I and i we touched on it briefly Trayvon Walker uh why has he all of a sudden gone from what was at one point a late first round pick to now almost ostensibly not going to be drafted any lower than second.
1: <laughs> um Look, I, I, I think the reason is that he was, this was his first year starting. And I think that is always a barrier to feeling good about having a guy at the top of the draft. Right. Cause we, you know, we've, We've talked about Kayvon Thibodeau. Even, you know, Aiden Hutchinson was a first-round prospect before this season. Um, we've, we've talked about Evan Neal. Like, uh, most of these players have been at least on the radar. So, when, when they play really well and you move them up, because that's what we do. We move guys up. Uh, Trayvon Walker wasn't because he wasn't a starter at Georgia where they had a ton of talent. He was getting kind of spot play. And so, even when he plays exceptional this season – He's still raw what you know is he actually that legitimate of a prospect to be a, a top player so he starts to maybe creep into the second day then late late first day and then it's like you know what nfl teams are talking him up he has he's more toolsy than the top edge rushers in this draft yeah you know he could be at the top so i think that's why it happens kind of late and why as we always say i feel like as an internet kind of community usually a step behind the NFL, right? People are figuring that out. I think this is definitely one of those places where, you know, by the end of the national championship, NFL teams probably knew he was a pretty high prospect. Um, and we're kind of catching up and cleaning that up at this
0: point. Um, you, you briefly touched on, you know, we've the rise of Trayvon Walker has almost coincided with the fall of Kayvon Thibodeau. And I don't get it myself i I don't i still have him as the number one prospect in this class although he's gonna at this point it would be a colossal shock if he was that top player drafted now uh at this point man where do you think his floor is (laughs) oh
1: that that's not a pretty a pretty sight i think what what his floor is um i i think It is not great. Like, I think floor wise, I would be. I mean,
0: draft capital specifically. Yeah, yeah,
1: draft. I I don't think it's good. Like, I think 15. I mean, I I think he's going to go in the top half of the first, but I don't think anything's guaranteed above that. Do I think he's going to go top 10? I do. I feel like, I mean, you're the Jets at 10, or you're um, sitting there at nine at Seattle. Like, you'll probably take him, but. I think there's a world, there's a possibility that he falls a lot further than we think. Maybe it's the medical. He obviously didn't play most of the season due to injury, which I think is a big part of this. Uh, And I think there's some teams he's just not going to fit for. Those two things combine. the medical is always, it's always the scary part. And we've we've heard maybe teams have uh, what I think are some dumb concerns about his love of the game or whatever. I think it's probably BS. But, uh, you know, any of those things could drop him. I feel pretty confident it will be a top 15 pick, but that's far cry from number one overall.
0: So are we looking at a possibility that he maybe even goes behind, not just like Hutchinson and Walker, but maybe even behind Carl uh, Lapdis and um, Jermaine Johnson?
1: I'll, you know, I'll have my seven-round mock coming out Monday, and right now I'm planning for Thibodeau to be the fourth edge player off the board uh in that draft. And so I, I I think he'll go above Carloftis. I think I would say it's 50-50 to me if Jermaine Johnson goes above him at this point. Wow. Uh
0: awesome. I don't I don't know if I should be concerned, Shane, but uh anybody listening or watching this in the Mobile Alabama area, but my little weather bug on my computer just went went from rain coming to flood and I got a little scared. <laughs> Look out. Uh, you're going
1: to start floating away here. Look out,
0: look out. Uh, look <laughs> out. i completely, oh, that, no, I, I lost my train of thought. Uh, last thing on the trends here. Uh, buy or sell Malik Willis number two to Detroit.
1: I I mean, it's a sell for me. I, I, I don't get it. Do I think it? there's no chance? I'll never say that. <laughs> yeah, I'll never say that in the NFL draft. Uh, but like we just talked about with Josh, I mean, this quarterback class isn't great. And so, if you're picking number two overall, are you really taking a quarterback? Uh, once again, I think it's just people won't feel like quarterbacks need to go there because they have, because we've seen Daniel Jones get pushed up. But I I think there's so much more evidence of quarterbacks that aren't first round, you know, talents uh, being talked about as higher then they'll go. I mean, we've had Davis mills from Jimmy Clausen to Davis mills be talked about as first round picks, right? You know, it'd go rounds later. I, I think Malik Willis is going to go in the top 20, but two just seems overkill, especially when you're Detroit and you're going to sit there at 32, you know, you a can trade up. If you really want Malik Willis, you don't need to take him at two. And if you like other players at 32, you can still get the fifth year option on a Matt Corral and a Sam Howe and a Desmond Ritter, probably, you know, what, why, why, why do you do that? I, I just think it's, I'm I'm still not going to have a quarterback in my top 15 in my mock. I, I still think it's overblown. Like Carolina at six makes me nervous. <laughs> just cause like, they're just wild. But um, after them, I, I just, I don't think it's going to happen.
0: In my uh, one-round mock I posted on Monday, I had the first quarterback off the board was Malik Willis, but was 20 to Pittsburgh. And the only other quarterback I had going the first round was Kenny Pickett, and that was 32 to Detroit. Um, mm. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with this quarterback class. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see where these quarterbacks fall when your seven-round mock draft comes out on Monday. Uh, the, the, the two more is that it for you? Oh, oh, I'm man. trying. It, it, is yeah, it three it, more. It, I can't if, remember. We may it, have three more. It feels like I I should
1: have like five more, but right, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it looks like I have this one, uh, penultimate one, and then the final ones. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so three, three more, three more, three more before for for you here, Shane. Uh, so we'll we'll move on from that. I just kind of wanted to touch on that, and now we're gonna move on to this week's edition of pro days. And uh, I want to start with uh, Notre Dame had theirs and Kyle Hamilton still didn't run fast. Matter of fact, may have ran slower at his pro day. Uh, But Kyron Williams, uh, he did well at what you said he would do well at, and that's the shuttles. So does this, he's still day three, right? Even with this. Yeah,
1: I, I think he's day three, and um, but I, I think he's one of those players that can go day three and be better than where he's drafted. Um, said so on my my comps. I have him. His comp as Deion Lewis as a prospect, who is another you know later picked player who had some success because he was super agile, could make guys miss in space. I think it's what Kyron Williams can do. So I would be really surprised if he goes. Third round, but I think fourth, fifth, sixth. Um, it's probably where he falls with that. Just short and slow, you know, light and slow. It's really tough to make that commitment.
0: Uh, speaking of slow, uh, from Purdue's Pro Day, David Bell still slow. And this is upsetting for a guy who is very as productive as he was. it, it just, it's, it's not good. I mean, it's just so hard to
1: evaluate him uh, because the tape is really good. Like he is putting up numbers against good corners and making contested catches. But like, when I look at my, my kind of scouting report on him, the problems that he has are exacerbated if he is this slow and it's not even, you know, even the 40 time. I mean, he ran, what at this this pro day was an unofficial like four seven or something, um, which he ran a little bit faster at the combine. Let's like say what four six
0: five at the combine.
1: Yeah, like seems to be a common theme. The combine that maybe have the fastest track of uh, for a lot of these. Um, the my, almost worst is the, the agility drills were just awful at the comp. So if you know his tenure of split was pretty good, so we want to say okay maybe you can get off the line, get up to speed a little quicker but like he, if he can't separate, we've seen that be a problem. I still think he'll be in my top 100. Um, but it's, I guess close. Uh, he could definitely fall out of there. Um, you know, when we get, as we get closer to the draft, as I start really considering, considering this, but I'll, I, I think at this point he's on the fringe of day two.
0: I thought of a, a cautionary tale for him, uh, was a receiver from a few years ago, Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, was another contested catch guy that I think draft Twitter really loved, and then he was slow. And he got drafted in the fourth round, and it ain't gone well for Hakeem Butler in the NFL. I'll say the same draft. The guy I
1: liked was Calvin Harmon, if you remember him from yes, NC Yes, NC State. Same deal, right? Just like – Drafted in the seventh catcher. round, yeah. Drafted – because – he could he couldn't separate. And David Bell can't separate. He never could. He didn't have to. What do you do with that? Is the question. It's just uh, man, I I just don't know.
0: Uh David Bell's teammate, George Carlaftis, did a good today. Uh four seven uh, seven, I think at his forty, yeah. but uh which his athletic so that put a, a cherry on his uh athletic testing Sunday there. Uh George Carlaftis. Uh, I had going seventh overall in my mock draft to the Giants with their second pick. I think uh, he has top ten potential. Uh, at worst, probably top fifteen.
1: Oh, interesting. I like I I grade him out there. I I think he could go late round one. Um, it it seems like maybe there's a question of what does he what does he play? Like what do you do with him? I think he's one of those tweeners that some teams may just not really want to deal with. Um, but I do feel like after the top, like four edge guys, I, I mean, are you really going to take anyone else? Uh, right. So uh, that that is tough. I mean, I, I'm, I'm struggling where to put him in this mock draft. It could be late round one. It could be like you said, top 15. Um, he's, he's going to be one of those players. I'm definitely going to get wrong when I find him like, <laughs> completely wrong place, no matter what I do.
0: I thought a perfect spot for him was 13 to Cleveland, but they don't have that pick anymore. So Uh that's not really a thing now. Uh, One more guy before we start talking about uh, guys that snuck up on us this week. Uh, Trey McBride pro day at Colorado state today, four, five, three, uh, 40 uh, reported by Jim Nagy from several scouts. That's pretty damn good for a guy his size at tight end probably cements him at tight end one, I believe, and potentially first round pick.
1: I think it's possible here. Your Bengals picking a 31 now Uh, put him through the drills there. And he, I think there's such a chasm between him and the rest of this tight end class. Like I I did not think he was that fast. I'm probably isn't, but you know, ultimately, I felt like okay, maybe he's a four, six, five, four, seven guy. It still kind of puts him in that mix with, with um, you know, with Jalen Wadermeyer' horrendous showing we talked about last week. Um, but man, I mean, th- this this really puts him, I think, on another plane. His whole testing was pretty good. Uh, I think, yeah, thirty one just is a, a nice, comfortable spot with a really big hole on the Bengals that could add not just a Pass catcher, but a blocker. I mean, he's a good blocking tight end, too. He can do both.
0: He would give them some options there because he would be the athletic tight end that they don't have. Uh, Hayden Hurst is now the I can't block, but I can catch tight end. And Drew Sample is the I can't catch, but I can block tight end. So that would give their tight end room, but it would give Joe Burrow that guy that he's not had in his first two years. No offense to C.J. Uzama, but uh, Trey McBride there. Anybody jump out to you, Shane? I have a, uh, I have a sneaky guy who I had never heard of that uh, jumped out to me this week when I was filling out the old spreadsheet. Anybody stick out to you this week from the Pro Days? Um,
1: I don't think there – I think we hit on most of the ones that I was kind of eyeing up um, that happened this week. I'm trying to think if there's anything um, – I think it was this week, Martin Emerson, the corner from Mississippi State, uh, was one that kind of popped to me that I I was looking forward to. He did not have, you know, he he, uh, did much better than, um, you know, than I expected. I thought he was kind of a more zone corner, but I think that kind of established him with really good workouts all around, really good drills um from all reports i think martin emerson's a guy that could move into round two early round three consideration
0: yeah i mean he had a really good day at his pro day like you said uh two guys for me one was today that stuck out uh i'll, I'll hit this first because it's a big school guy uh guy we've talked about a lot before i think very versatile defensive back Alante taylor tennessee uh, only ran the 40 at the combine, but at his pro day today 39 inch vertical chain, 11 foot one on the broad uh, that upped his uh I, I don't know if he did the shuttles that wasn't reported so that his raz may come down uh, if that was the case but now at a 9.99 RAS for Alante Taylor with those jumps.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that's a guy that is has been impressive through every step of this process like I think you watch him and you're like uh you know there you can kind of nitpick there are things that could be problems in the NFL but man I mean he's he's big he's athletic he's long yeah he's he's probably teetering on my top 10 corners at this point
0: yeah I I think uh his floor now is probably the third round I I think that's I think he's 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 pretty much going to uh not slip past that but the one guy I wanted to say that uh, I had Never heard of the guy, never knew who he, never knew uh never knew his name before the other day. Tyshawn James wide receiver, Central Connecticut State. 6'2216, 44940 37 and inch vertical, 10 foot 11 broad jump, 953 raz for Central Connecticut State. I believe they are the blue demons. Oh, that, that sounds right. That sounds right. Some right. NCAA tournaments of, you know, that, 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 bad, that, that sounds bad right. Bad Some bad. sort of demon, I believe. <laughs> Isn't that where uh, the quarterback a few years ago that Scott liked so much? Uh, Dola Gala. I think that's where he played. Oh, okay. There you go. Bengals yep. legend, uh, Jake Dola Gala. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I thought that was just a name I wanted to throw out there for the peeps. Uh, so there when you your team signs him as an undrafted free agent. Uh, you heard his name on this podcast first. Blue Devils. Blue Devils. Ah, That was
1: close. That was was good. I I give you half a point for
0: that. I had had blue. (laughs) I had blue. All right, Shane. We've got some questions. So we're going to hit the – got a couple of Twitter questions. We're going to hit the – we'll hit the question in the chat first because I think it's the easiest – well, I'll say the easiest one to answer. Uh, Who Dallas taking at 24? Chris Lopez on Facebook asks. Uh man, I wish that was easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I, I wish, I wish I knew because I do think they have some options from defensive line to offensive line. Uh, I, th- I actually think it's a decent spot for Tyler Linderbaum um, for them to take him. You know, <laughs> as you know, if he if he's following at that point, you have they have not been shy about taking guys that are under three hundred pounds. You can play center or guard for them. Um, they do run a little more of that zone blocking. Uh, I think it would be a really nice fit, so I'll, I'll go with that.
0: Uh, they do have a glaring hole with safety, and that's kind of where I went in my last mock draft. With uh, I was d- debating with between uh, Lewisine Georgia and Daxon Hill Michigan. Went with Lewisine just because I think he's better.
1: Yeah, I mean they. they, they yeah, true. They they did get uh j Curse back. They signed Malik Hooker, but I uh, I don't I don't know if either of those guys are you know if you can get Lewisine, uh, I think it'd be a nice addition, so I'm with you.
0: All right, a couple of Twitter questions here. Uh I'll get to the serious one first. <laughs> we'll we'll do the one that's not so serious. Uh at Andrew Nordmeyer on Twitter asks, talk about a trade you would like to see happen at the draft. Had some huge ones so far this offseason. What is the one trade you want to see during we'll, – we'll, we'll narrow it down to day one, first day of the draft. Day one, uh, I want to see
1: – I'm going to I'll go with this. I Green Bay Packers trade both their first-round picks to move up to number 11, Washington Commanders, so they can select Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State. That's what I want to see happen. I, I want to see the Packers make a big move. I think they're going to make a big move at some point to go get an elite pass catcher. Finally, um, with my, here's here's what's probably going to happen. They're probably going to move up and take an offensive tackle. <laughs> I guess that's what it'll be. You we'll be like, oh man, what? what, yeah, what they, 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 they give up two
0: ones it? to move up for Trevor Pitting.
1: Yeah, right, right. They're like, come on, man.
0: And um, I love, but I mean, we love Trevor Pitting,
2: yeah, so we I wouldn't
0: do. fault them for it, but. But. Packer fans might lose, lose their minds. The trade that I want to see happen during draft night. Carolina Panthers on the clock at 6. Logo changes to the Pittsburgh Steelers to come up to get Malik Willis. I want to see anarchy on our live. I want to, I want to see a Bruce Irvin level meltdown from Shane P. Howell on the draft countdown live stream. When Pittsburgh gives up three number ones to move up to draft Malik Willis. Oh my God. It it would happen. I,
1: I I put the odds of that as very, 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 very slim. But if, if it happens, you know, I'll never say never. So I, Oh my God. All right. Last
0: question, Shane from at, the day. toxic. Mike asks if Patrick Mahomes were a muffin, what kind of muffin would he be? I know the correct answer. So I'm going to let you answer first. I I have no idea. I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not very versed on muffins. I like, I know what the right answer is. What is it's the
1: right st- answer? Brian, it's a stud muffin. Ah. Uh. Uh. This See, is a classic, classic draft countdown form joke here, but throwback to like 2009.
0: So okay, okay. So <laughs> I have, uh as a father of a six-year-old, I am not good at the dad jokes as that should be.
1: Well, uh, yeah, and come on. This feels on, like man. a
0: this feels like a dad joke.
1: It's a good one. That's good stuff. Good scud <laughs> muffin, which is true. Which is true.
0: Um. Uh, <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. Final thoughts uh Shane, you've got the seven round mock draft coming up. Talk about the article you got coming up on Sunday.
1: Yeah, Sunday I have an article The Curious Case of Jalen Watermeier, uh, where I have to eat a heck of a lot of crow for what's happened this offseason with him and his fall from grace and what kind of what happened. What when I first Noticed him and what I caught and why I thought he was going to be, you know, a future NFL first round pick and what's happened since. So um definitely interested in that Jim in Watermeyer, Texas a and who had the horrible pro day. Uh, so we'll be getting to that on Sunday if you want to come check it out.
0: Um, I'm still continuing through. Uh, probably got like, I don't know, like 10 more of these uh, team, individual team mock drafts. And then I'll be. I will have made it through all 32 teams in the NFL, so that's going on over the next week and a half. But also, Shane, uh, I'm joining you uh, a week from Monday. I'm going to do a seven-round mock draft. Never done this before. Wow. But but I'm going to do it under the guise of this is how I would draft it in a seven-round mock draft. Not what I think teams are going to do, but what I think teams (laughs) should do. How I would draft – A seven-round mock draft. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, Shane. I'm going to use a uh, simulator there to go. I'm not going to. I'm, but I'm going to make each individual pick. I'm going to use the one at. uh, I'm going to use Denny's over at uh, NFL Mock Draft Database uh, to do it. But I will pick every for every single team. But it's going to be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stack my board up. You know, and and that's how I'm going to do it. Seven rounds. Uh, Probably not going to get much analysis from that one, but. it will be a. I will go seven rounds deep, and that will be a week from Monday. That is on April the. Let's see. That will be April the fourteenth. No, hold. A- April. Wrong yeah. month. Eleventh. Yeah. Eleventh. April eleventh. Look forward to that, and then you know we'll you be, better
1: put a big, like bold, underline Oh, flavor. oh yes. You sir. know you're gonna. As get a matter of fact, it
0: might be in the title. Yeah, that's a good Seven-round mock draft, how Brian Bosarge would do it.
1: No, I'm, I'm excited for that, man. If that is a that is a step, and maybe you'll get addicted like me and never go it back. It may never happen
0: again, Shane. Uh, <laughs> I might get halfway through the third round and realize this was a huge mistake. Yes, fair, but, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Seven-round mock draft on, on what I would do. But, Shane, that's going to do it. Uh, if, you've, if you've come across us on YouTube tonight and you're not subscribed to the channel, go ahead and do that. The notification bell and uh, like the videos. that way we can uh, we can get this out, get this algorithmed up a little bit, and uh, get us out there to more people. Uh, you can download this on audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, every pretty much everything else. Give us a five star rating on those, give us a thumbs up, whatever it is that the, the, your podcast outlet lets you do. You do that. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane P. and Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. Uh, until next time, everybody, draftcountdown.com is where it's at. Later.